Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Jamie Hayter versus Hikaru Shida was a little <laughs> <laughs> easy for you to say. Was a little bit of a banger, wasn't it? Ooh, just, just a little bit. Just a little bit of a banger. Bloody love this match. Hello, welcome to the Rest Stop Podcast review of AEW Dynamite Holiday Bash. I'm Joe P. Quinnell. I'm joined by Tempest because Ollie's off today and Luke's fam ain't feeling too good. So it's these guys. L I W. What life? Etc. Um, hi, everybody. I hope our mic's working. Didn't check him. I'm gonna. No one's commenting. They're fine. That's probably a good sign. That's probably a good sign. Not my fault. Uh, so here we go. Uh, send in your ultra chats, omega chats to wrestletalk.com forward slash support. We're gonna go through all the ones that are five US dollars and up by the time the show goes off the air. And yes, it is Christmas. It's Christmas. Merry Chrysler. Merry Chrysler. So yeah, there you go. That's Hey man, this is the last time that I'm going to be seeing you for a few weeks. Mhm. It's the last time we're going to be doing a podcast together in God, I don't even know. A long time. So we're going to have some fun. Every time Pete and Tempest do a podcast together, we're drinking now. <laughs> it's a celebration. No. Yep. Exactly. It's a celebration. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a celebration. Speaking of celebrating, that's what Jamie Hayden was doing after this match because she won. Hell of a segue. Oh, it was good, wasn't it? Um, so, Jamie Hayter and Nakara Shida had the main event of Dynamite this week, uh, which was, I can't believe you'd be so unprofessional to not have your phone on airplane mode. Yeah, well. I say, as my phone is also not on airplane mode. Um, <clears throat> Jamie Hayter and Nakara Shida had the main event of Dynamite this week, um, and it was real good. Uh, is this... The second time that we've had a main event at a dynamite, uh, or has it been more than that? No, it's been more than that at has this it been? point. Because I mean, Thunder Rose and Britt Baker, the lights that's out match, true. did it, lights and out. the cage match, yes, did it. So that's, that's correct. At the very least, it's been those two. Mm, yeah. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head if it's happened there was more the, than that. There was the Diona Perazzo Mercedes Martinez. That match. was that was also a main event. Yeah. 
they haven't main evented very often. Uh, and it felt like a lot of the time they weren't given their fair shake. A lot of the criticism towards AEW has been towards their women's division for a long time. But since they've made the switch and they put the belt on Jamie Hayter, it felt like, okay, we're taking some real positive steps in the right direction. Even before that, in, with Tony Storm's mm-hmm. reign, was really, you could see the first that's been like, we're taking some real positive steps in this division right Featured now. Featured on TV every week, in yep. matches, mm-hmm. given real things to do. Yep. Multiple women's segments most weeks with Soraya coming in and doing mm-hmm. the Britt Baker stuff most weeks. And now even on this show, you had like the promo package beforehand to hype up everything. You mm-hmm. had weeks of promos to hype this up. I thought they've done a very good job building up this main event. Mm-hmm. It was kind of requested on social media that this would be the main event. Mm-hmm. And it probably would have been otherwise, but this was obviously something that people wanted to see. Oh, yeah. And then they delivered. They and sure boy, did. did they. Oh, they sure delivered. This started off. Real physical to start with. With them just hitting each other a lot. It was them just like up against the ropes and it's just chop, 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 chop. Punch, 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 punch. And like, it was just that to start with. Real like fast, frenetic pace, which just kept going. Then they just did more spots and more and more spots. I think the biggest compliment I can give this match is it was perfectly structured in that each section of the match built on the last one to a bigger peak and a bigger climax. And the biggest peak of this match came right at the finish. It was perfectly built to, built to, built to, built to, built to. Here's the finish. Oh my God, crazy. It was the perfect structure and perfect pace of a match. It was exactly the right amount of time, exactly the right like spots to build to it. It wasn't like botchy. It was just like perfect. It was a perfectly structured main event dynamite match that built on with fantastic near falls you had a suplex off the apron to the floor ouchie uh you had uh uh hikaru shida going for the katana and hater like passes out so she can't do it it's very fa- once kenny omega did it once everyone's like that's a cool spot i'm gonna do it for my thing jay white does this spot a lot as Absolutely. well the, yeah. the play possum mm-hmm. i'm going to lie down so you can't hit me with your move spot yeah it's very it, good it's always effective though uh, there was the, uh, the sliding lariat came in for the near fall. There was distraction from Baker and Rebel, and even that didn't end the match because you thought as soon as you see Baker and Rebel get in the apron, you're like, okay, here's the finish. And uh, Baker got up on the apron. Sheena managed to get rid of her with the kendo stick, dispose of her to the outside. Then there was another near fall. There was like this awesome like rolling powerbomb spot where like Sheena, uh, uh, she went for a powerbomb, went for a hurricane runner, rolled through into a, a, a pinning combination, then picked her up into a powerbomb. And I was like, oh my God, there's so much happening. Near fall after near fall after near fall, which then led to another brilliant near fall with just a straight up lariat, like a really strong lariat off the ropes. Another near fall, and she picks her up, does her like uh, short arm clothesline, the, the, the ripcore clothesline. The Rainmaker. Uh, the Rainmaker. She's calling uh, it the Haterade. Sipping uh, that Haterade. I don't hate it. Hater. Hate. And, uh, yeah, she got the win in the end. But this was amazing. This was such a good showcase for both women. It was a showcase as to why they deserve the main event. It was a great showcase for the women's division of AEW. And it's just another factor. It was like, they made the right choice of putting the belt on Jamie Hayter. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so many factors of this. It was just like, massive thumbs up. I loved this match. The fans were at a fever pitch by the end of this match. Absolutely. And they went into the match, I would say maybe like 70-30 in favor of Jamie Hayter. Like, yeah. there were a lot of, uh, you know, let's go Hater chants and, mm-hmm. you know, Jamie Hater chants and whatnot. 
And by the end, it was a lot more mixed than it started as. And it was just two excellent workers working. Mm -hmm. And I think that is like, you know, the biggest factor in exactly what you were talking about with the structure and things building to the perfect moment. And then you capping off with the finish at the right time. Mm -hmm. That's just being good workers mm -hmm. and working that crowd and getting them to build and build and build and build. And right when they're at their fever pitch, that's when you end it. Mm -hmm. it this was such a good match. This was exactly the sort of thing that I want out of most championships in AEW where you can just have like a two or three week build to something on television, build it off, blow it off in the main event and have it be like a fantastic four and a half star match that everybody goes home being like, wow, what a couple of stars. Mm. And these two really came across like stars in this match. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Like yeah. Jamie Hayter, I think has so much poise in this role, she comes across as such a star, such a champion. Oh, I, I could go on and on about all the things that I really liked about this match. One of the things that I want to highlight the most is with like the interference spot, mm -hmm. because I do think that from time to time, AEW has kind of overused the interference for the finish type spot because of their aversion to doing DQs and things mm -hmm. like that. That's sort of been their way to get heat is you just do the distraction. I mean, Britt Baker's entire run was built on distraction leads into the finish, and then that's it. This was the perfect way to do this sort of thing, where you still have the distraction because they're heels, and it would not make as much sense if they didn't try, but you have the baby face fight off the distraction, still have the upper hand, so the distraction is a thwarted attempt and doesn't as much play into the finish, you still get the heat because they're trying to cheat, mm -hmm. but the babyface is good enough to overcome that and is still just bested because mm -hmm. the other person was the better wrestler on this night. That yeah. is perfect yeah. pro wrestling to me. I love that. Absolutely. And I think it, linked with that, almost like a, a, a more like a, an analogy for that is almost like you have a certain amount of like energy that you're expending into the match and if part of your energy is having to fight off this heel force it's going to leave you vulnerable to the wrestler that you're trying to wrestle so even if the distraction doesn't cause the finish you're expending energy trying to deal with this threat on the outside which then means that the other wrestler is quote-unquote fresher mm -hmm. to then be able to take advantage of that and it is it's it's not as simple as they've distracted me now i'll be pinned it's they've distracted me and i fought them off okay Let's keep going. And the other person's like, I've been resting for like 30 seconds in the mm -hmm. corner here while you've been trying to fight him off. Bang. You know, close eye out of nowhere or something. It's like, it just can turn the tables. It's yeah. it's real good. It uh, just, the way they've it done it. It keeps great. the finish from feeling cheap. Yes. Exactly. It doesn't feel like they only won because they had this distraction. Yes. It feels like they are underhanded. They are the villain of the story because they're trying to cheat. Mm -hmm. But they are still the better wrestler mm -hmm. of the two, which is most times for me how I want my champions to be portrayed. Mm -hmm. It's that if you eliminate all those things, most of the time, the person who is the champion should just be the better wrestler mm -hmm. than the other. And obviously there are exceptions to this rule and everything. And there are ways around this that you can still do by like cheating and everything. But so often it just felt like, especially during Britt Baker's reign, that her title defenses were, they didn't build to the fever pitch moment. It was like, we take the air out of the building mm. and then give them the finish because everyone's sick of seeing this distraction finish. Yeah. And that could have been done here, but they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. They instead built it more and more past that 
for an actual top of the level, just fever pitch finish. No, oh, it was such a good match. Such a good match. I loved it so much because I, I was like, I was enjoying myself and I was like, damn, this is pretty, pretty good match. This is great. Those last few minutes of when the, the distraction happens pretty much from then onwards, what a close to the match. To, to the point where I was on the edge of my seat, I was gasping and I was clapping. I was sitting in the office by myself and I still was like, when the match started, I was like, wow, well done. I'm like, who am I talking to? Who am I doing this for? No one. I was just into it. Ah, this is a really, really fun match. I love this as the main event. Uh, we had a post-match angle. Um, Tony Storm came back and was part of a post-match brawl. I tried to save Sheeta from a post-match beatdown. Soraya comes out and kind of evens the odds. So you have Soraya, Storm, and Sheeta on one side. Then you have Baker, Rebel, and Hater on the other. It was fine. I probably could have done without it, but it didn't harm the match mm -hmm. in any way. It was fine. I think it's just more to set up this this mystery woman tag match sure. that'll be coming in January. And you look ahead to people that could be challenging for the title at Revolution and things like that. And there isn't an obvious answer unless they yeah. do a turn before then and do Hater versus Baker. But I don't yeah. know that that is going to be happening in the immediate future. So it just puts more people in the mix for something like that. Mm. And I don't I don't think it detracted from anything. I didn't no. I didn't have too much of a problem with it, but. At the same time, when you look at it and we speak so much about how this match ended at the the absolute peak of things, mm. it then felt like the show went on a little bit longer yeah. and that it's not so much at the peak, but it's still like, again, didn't detract from it by any means, but it's just an interesting way when you look at like blocking out shows and yeah. things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I, for one, loved that this was the main event. I love that they got the chance to, to shine. They got the time. They got the crowd on their side. The crowd mm -hmm. were, were awesome for this match. That's a big part of it, too, for me, because so often, unless you had somebody like a Jamie Hayter who's very organically popular and things like that, a lot of the time you had the women's matches kind of feeling a little bit heatless just because the women's division itself was kind of stuck in this loop of like, well, we haven't been pushing people, so people don't care. But because people don't care, we're not giving them promo time and the whole thing mm -hmm. where it's like, how do we get this women's division back on track? You get them back on track by doing things like this. Mm -hmm. You put a big heated match in the main event, let it be an amazing, amazing match, and you show the people at home watching that the people in the building are reacting to it this way. It makes the whole division feel better. It makes the whole match and the whole, oh, both the stars and everything feel that much more heated, feel that much more important. And this is the sort of thing that you can then build upon because now you maybe build a little bit more momentum with the organic reactions that people are having to just an awesome match. So what do you do? You give them another awesome match very soon and you just keep going from there. Mm-hmm. And that is how you make a title feel very, very special. Mm -hmm. Your champion just keep putting on bagger after bagger after bagger. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Um, well, shall we see what you guys think? Let's get into some of your Omega chats, shall we? Send those into wrestletalk.com forward slash support. Uh, we're going to go through all the ones that are five US dollars and up by the time the show goes off the air. I've opened the wrong link. I opened the Ooh. raw Omega chats, ultra chats, Uzi chats, whatever they are these days. Um, oh, good. People have lots of stuff to say about the show, apparently. That's good. Uh, Kid Phantom V3 said, I think this was the best no-stipulation women's match in Dynamite. Also, I don't know if this was joked or said before. Since Okada's ripcord lariat is called the Rainmaker, for Jamie, I've been calling her as the Hater Maker. Yeah? Honestly, the Hater Maker's not bad. I think I prefer it to Haterade. Sipping that Haterade. I, I know, but the Hater Maker, you make haters by doing the move. Mm-hmm. It's a hater maker. Quite I'm literally. not arguing with this. I'm yeah. just going to get sipping that haterade, Pete. John Rye said, great episode of Dynamite. The trio's match needed more Christmas nonsense. Ricky Starks deserves everything. And glad to see the women in the main event proving that they belong and pull off a banger. I still blame Luke for Jarrett and Lethal being a thing. He did book it. It is his fault. We'll talk about that more later. Um, Charles Berg said, Sheena and Hater killed it. Excellent match, but I found the whole show to be quite enjoyable. Line of the night for me is Stokely Hathaway calling Danielson a raggedy bitch. I popped so hard in the office for you that. Did. That's true. Uh, adding that to my vocab for sure. Also, tracking says my package arrived. Has it? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I've been here off and on. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I feel like I heard something about a package arriving. Maybe. I don't know. I can't speak. I will for check it, but... after the podcast is done. Yeah. And we'll see if it's here. Uh, Nick Corvello says, Happy holidays in advance, guys. As one of the resident Sheeta stands here in the SWAF Nation, this was the best Christmas present AEW could give me. So glad Sheeta and Hater got the opportunity and they killed it. Can't better pay attention to Sheeta now. I hope so. It's interesting because. A lot of what Hikaru Shida has done over, like, the last year and a bit has been, like, really good. It's just been really spaced out. Mm. Like, I thought her, like, 
kind of unofficial best of five series with Serena Deeb was like some of the best women's wrestling that we had seen on Dynamite to mm -hmm. that point. Just it was them going out and being like, okay, that was the last match. Here's the match that now builds upon that. And they built the story within the wrestling itself. And yeah. there wasn't as much just actual like storyline tomfoolery to mm -hmm. it. I wonder what they do with her next. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to her feuding with Jade Cargill. I was about to say, like, yeah. in terms of people that could be potential TBS challengers mm. and whatnot, I reckon they would have a good match. Yeah, I think it would be cool. Uh, Will Campbell said, Hi, guys. I really, really love this episode. Really glad they kept the ball rolling with Ricky and his amazing promo segment. Also, that main event was rad as all hell. About time TK booked the women's division like this. P.S. Tempest, enjoy the eggs, Benedict. Thank you. I will. It's Christmas. Grambus. My Christmas breakfast. I can't wait. Team Tashuls has been a member for 16 months in a row. That main event was such a banger. Ricky Starks and Jericho. Yes, please. God bless AEW and God bless you all at WrestleTalk. Merry Christmas to y'all. Love you. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Merry Chrysler. Marcel said, uh, that match rocked, but match quality was never the problem with the AEW women's division. I'd love to see them have meaningful storylines. That has yet to happen. In other news, had my last day of work today for the rest of the year. Cheers apples me too this is my last day of work i'm working tomorrow oh it's fine it's all right um <clears throat> uh yeah what do you think about them not having real meaningful storylines uh it, it's a bit of a mix for me to me i think like the most kind of important thing is having really heated matches mm. because i think when they do have the heated matches it does feel important like when yes. you had Baker taking the title off of Hikaru Shida. That was like a really big deal because everyone was really behind Baker at that point to win the title. And then it was just like a lot of the time the matches, like I think were good a lot of the time, as they say, but I don't know. They didn't have the ball rolling as much of the time with the women's division. It was a lot of stop and start. There weren't as many meaningful storylines. I don't think they're wrong by any means that an, a meaningful story here and there would help. I think that there wasn't much of a storyline much of the time with Thunder Rose's reign and that kind of derailed a lot of things there. And I think people just kind of got tired of Britt Baker's reign by the end of things. Because when, again, when there was stuff like that, like with Baker's defense against Ruby Soho after Ruby's debut, then you start to see that like people are willing to get invested in these things and you just need more and more instances of that one after another for that to be a consistent thing. And now that you have like Jamie Hayter as someone who's going to be wrestling more frequently on top, people like her, so they're more willing to get invested in her. So, I don't know. It's difficult. It's a difficult line to try and walk here. Because I do think that they could help, uh, they could benefit a lot from having some more in-depth, long-term storylines. As opposed to just, you know, the long-term stories that we've kind of seen in AEW have been what we kind of criticize of, you know, sometimes in WWE where it's just like this is a story told over a long period of time, but there isn't a lot of things in the middle to actually progress stuff like that. So a little bit of both. I think more quality matches mixed with people that people are willing to get uh, invested in and behind and have really heated matches for combined with meaningful storylines. And I know that is kind of redundant just saying like, yeah, make everything good and people and it'll be good, but... I think we're most of the way there now, and we just yeah. need to see it a little more consistently. I think the next big, like, meaningful story they could tell would be Hater versus Baker. Yeah. And I think if they do that, 
with Hater still being the champ, that would be like a real big women's title program. Yeah. Arguably the biggest. I think done. so. I don't know when you pull the trigger on that. Mm. And again, I will give Tony Khan credit uh, for this because I think a lot of people, myself included, were kind of waiting for this Jamie Hayter turn on Britt Baker or vice versa a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people were thinking about it around the time of All Out when they were both mm-hmm. involved in the women's title four-way and mm-hmm. stuff. But you look at it now, it's like now they've got that turn looming whenever they want to do it and the title's already in the picture. Mm-hmm. And that's now something that they can just add to and make that rivalry feel even more important. Yeah. I am very much looking forward to that eventual match. I just don't know how long they keep that going. It, to me, it's the same thing as like the Omega Page breakup. I, I, I remember in 2020 thinking that they were going to break up before winning the tag titles and then they won it and I was like, oh, this is going to be a long-term thing. Mm. Now it's feeling like this is going to be that kind of long-term thing with this breakup kind of hanging over them the whole time. I mean, and I'm all for that. I, I wouldn't be opposed to them having a match at Revolution. Mm-hmm. If you have maybe a couple other title defenses between now and the beginning of March when Revolution is, and in there, Baker turns on Hater, maybe she grows jealous or whatever that Hater's getting all his attention, have Hater as the babyface in the story, as I think she should be. She's so organically yeah. over that that's when you have that split, Hater should turn babyface, absolutely. And then you have the hater Baker match at Revolution. I think that's going to feel like a huge thing. And when, not if, when Hater wins that match, she's going to feel like a megastar coming yeah. out of it. That, that to me is, again, a lot of the thing there where I really like these title reigns where you have someone who's really over and they turn halfway through it. Because mm. to me, that is kind of the secret to making a title reign feel fresh because you then have another complete set of possible opponents. It's, for them. it's like a new title reign. Yeah. Yeah. Where all of a sudden, because that's why I think you could have Jamie Hayter stay heel through to Revolution, mm-hmm. do the turn maybe at Revolution or sometime in the near vicinity of that, mm-hmm. just so she can run through more of the babyface side of the women's division leading up to that, mm-hmm. do the turn, and then maybe do the Britt Baker match at Double or Nothing, yeah. and then have that kind of be like, the start and the lead into her facing the heel side of the roster, just giving her more great opponents, more great title defenses, and really making this rivalry, this title defense, Jamie Hayter's rise, feel as big as it possibly can be. I'd be well into that. Uh, <coughs> Danny G has been a member for 16 months in a row. Happy Christmas, lads. I'm shocked. Giving good women wrestlers time to wrestle and they'll do a good wrestle. Who'd have thunk it? Back to 10 minutes next week. No. Hope not. Please. Uh, J.S. Wooten has been a member for 10 months in a row. Happy holidays, and I did love how DMD wore, wore Jamie's Enforcer outfit last night. Nice touch. Have a good time this season, fellas. L.I.W. forever. Ever. Lever. <clears throat> for lever. Um, we'll lever. get into the rest of your Omega chats later. Keep sending those Do we say lever in. or do you say lever? Lever. We say lever. You say lever. We say lever. You say lever. Yeah. You weird, you weirdo baubles. Yeah, baubles. Um, we'll get into the rest of your Omega chats later on. Keep sending those in to russeltalk.com forward slash support. Gonna go through all the ones that are five US dollars and up by the time the show goes off the air. Let's talk about the rest of this episode of Dynamite Holiday Bash. Now, normally, if you've, ever, if you've ever heard a Pete and Tempest podcast ever before, we always say, this show started with a match. Thumbs up. Always love it when they start with a match. This show started with a promo. Now, you might be thinking, lads, you wouldn't like it starting with a promo, but guess what? 
I did like this show starting with a promo. Do you know why? Because we left last week's episode with MJF beating Ricky Starks and Brian Danielson coming out. So Ricky Starks said the, the, the final image of the show is Ricky Starks being the third most important person. You have Brian Danielson, you have MJF, mm. and Ricky Starks is just lost and he's not the focus at the very, very tail end of the show. This show started with Ricky Starks coming out and cutting a promo for you to instantly go, right, they're not dropping the ball with him. Here's the next segment of Ricky Starks' career. This is the next arc for him. This is setting this up immediately. And I really like the fact that they kicked off this show. They ended with Starks losing last week and they start this show with Ricky Starks being like, it's all right. I'm going to work my way back to another world title match. And the next time I do, I'm going to beat him. It would be real easy to have the follow-up to that be Ricky Starks does a one-minute backstage interview with Tony Schiavone mm -hmm. and have that kind of get lost in the shuffle of a lot of yep. things on the show. They didn't do that on this show. They made Ricky Starks feel important. You get the kickoff show moment. You lead off the show. Top of the hour, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, whatever show, whatever time. I don't know what time this Seven? show starts. I don't know. Uh, I don't no live in idea. Canada anymore. This show starts and you see Ricky Starks. He is the most important thing to kick off the show. That is a very big step and a big stamp of approval put on him that they're not going to drop the ball with him. Mm. They're going to keep his momentum going. He has such poise. He is such a star. That's two people in two segments that we've said. What great poise. Jamie Hayter, Ricky Starks. Poise. Star. Mm. Ricky Starks is a Ricky star. Yep, he sure is. Uh, he got a big pop, which was nice. Uh, and yeah, it was just him basically saying, yes, I lost. No, I'm not going to make excuses. I absolutely should have seen that coming. It's MJF after all. But hey, man, I was that close to beating him. And that was with him cheating. Now I'm going to be ready for it the next time when I face him. And it will be a next time. I'm just going to fight my way back to a world title opportunity. And that starts tonight. It's going to be great. Watch out for the next time I, I fight MJF. And I'm like, Right. It's a Perfect. promo. It's a it's the program that we just had, followed by this promo that makes me go, he could be the one. Mm. You know? Yeah. We were kind of wondering like who's gonna be the one to beat MJF? Like who fits this whole thing narratively? Is it, you know, is it gonna be Brian Danielson in a year? Is it gonna be Wardlow if you get the heat back on him? Is it is it Cody Rhodes coming back to AEW? I think Ricky Starks has very much thrown his hat into the ring as far as somebody who could realistically beat MJF down the line and i like that <clears throat> excuse me <coughs> excuse me chokes him up just thinking about J oh man i'm just so into the ricky stark storyline um and i thought that this promo was good perfectly perfect for what it needs to be mm -hmm. perfectly acceptable i was like great cool then it got interrupted by chris jericho and then the segment became great yep um where jericho came out now we both thought he looked like different people. Yeah. So he's wearing a long trench coat, and he's got the bat, and he's got long hair. You said he looks like... Edge. And I said he looks like Sting. For different reasons. Got the bat and the trench coat. Listen, if you, you pop a different long hair. face, if you just photoshopped Sting's face onto the body, yeah. Yeah. But he's like a long, blonde-haired Canadian in a black trench coat. I was like, why is Edge out here on <laughs> AEW Dynamite? Uh, but Jericho came out regardless, interrupted Ricky Starks. And he put over Starks in this promo, being like, hey, yeah, you are everything you say you are. You're a million-dollar talent. You're a future world champion. I know you're going to be, which is why you should join the JAS. And Ricky Starks was like, ha, no. And had wonderful lines in this promo, where he just kind of kept talking, mm -hmm. and there was just great line after great line after great line after great line. 
And I was literally sitting in my chair, just like, oh, that was good. That was good. That was also a good line. Ricky, stop with the good lines. I can't keep <laughs> track of all these lines. So great. Saying that the J and J, yes, should stand for jobbers. Uh, he called Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia chass holes. Mm -hmm. Good. It's a good line. And he was saying that Chris Jericho looks like his single dad that's on his fifth divorce. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful stuff from, from Ricky Starks. And it's another another part of that where the first half of his promo, when it was just him, was just like, it's a good promo. You had this half of the promo into, uh, where the retort to Jericho, where you're like, no, this is a great Ricky Starks promo. This like put the stamp on it to be like, the first part was good. This bit's great. Yeah. It's a true Ricky Starks promo. Um, really like they're setting up Ricky versus Jericho on January 4th, uh, which should be a great match. Uh, and after he rejected joining the JAS, they tried to beat him up. Action Andretti came out to save Ricky Starks to continue the whole Jericho Andretti thing. And my last note for this segment was the whole segment just left me with a big smile on my face. I was mm -hmm. like, that's all of that was good. I'm I, happy. I watched this and thought this was a classic pro wrestling segment. Mm. You know, just like one thing leads into another thing, a real transition from what Ricky Starks had been doing into what he's going to be doing next. You tie that in with another thing that Jericho is also doing. You set up something for the future. You just, you, you build a lot of things in one segment. And I thought they did a very good job of this. And I also, funny enough, how I think I sat here with Ollie when we were talking about the Ricky Starks uh, MJF promo that they mm. had back and forth. Yeah. Where it felt like Ricky Starks was going to just get kicked in the balls, hit with the ring, laid out, and that's the end of the segment. But they have done a very good job of leaving Ricky Starks as the last one standing when he gets jumped by heels. Mm. I think that is a very important thing to keep in mind in all this. Because it just, perception-wise makes him feel like a bigger deal, that he isn't being left laying every time, is now he's the one that's standing tall at these things. It's just a, it's a little detail that two times in the last like few weeks, I have made note of just being like, that's different. Mm. That's different. That is the, the type of care that you put onto a big star to make them continue to feel like a big star. It's extra thought that's gone into it, mm -hmm. which is nice. Uh, we then had... Right afterwards, Elite versus Death Triangle. Mm -hmm. Match number five. Mm -hmm. No DQ. Yep. My first, my first, I wrote no DQ, and this sounds like a negative, but then I wrote, oh dear. Not because I thought this was going to be bad, because it's going to be really good. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought like, oh, they're going to do some crazy stuff, aren't they? Oh dear. Um, and I then wrote, sports reference, I think Tempest would like that. I didn't! I was wrong. No, because it was incorrect. Mm. Stupid Excalibur. Yeah. Said it was like, oh, the most recent time we've seen a team come back down 3-1 in a series was when the Cavs did it against the Golden State Warriors, which is true. And I know that they do the, the blah, 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 basketball song for these shows now, which love that, by the way. But it's it happened other times. It happened another time that same year. The Chicago Cubs came back down 3-1 against the Cleveland Guardians. Stupid Excalibur. I know more sports than you. It happens, but regardless, I do like the the down 3-1, Warriors blew a 3-1 lead element to all of this. I think Death Triangle's going to win the last match. Do you? I think, I mean, I might have my mind change between now and then. Mm. This, that, it feels like the Elite coming back and winning game seven 
is a little too telegraphed. Mm. It feels like they're setting them up to lose the ladder match. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think it's a possibility. Totally. Um, but this match, regardless, uh, I thought that this... Like, it, it's very hard because you don't want to compare it to the, the other matches too much because it is different. It's a no-DQ match. I think this is one of the weaker mm-hmm. ones that they've had I thought in, so. the, in, their, in their series. Still very Still good. a very good match. And I very it's much impossible for these two teams to not have a good match. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but this one was supposed to be a bit more, in a way, lighthearted. They had a bit more comedy in there. They had Brandon Cutler dressed as an L staring off with staring off with Alex Abrahantes. They had Penta using a Christmas tree mm-hmm. as a weapon and stuff like that. You know, what, like they more, hmm? you know what they needed? What do they need? They needed the barbed wire Christmas tree. This is the type of audience that would have popped. I'm sure they for would. The, for like one of the top five all-time worst TNA mm. matches. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they would. And that's, Luke would have been one of them. That's saying something. Yeah. Ugh, goodness me. Um, uh, so it was a bit more lighthearted. I really like that Excalibur on multiple occasions when they were, they set up the Christmas tree in the corner and they whipped people into it. And he was like, it's the unforgiving needles of the artificial tree. <laughs> I'm like, it's not, a fit. it's not that serious Excalibur. Um, but after all kind of like the more lighthearted nature of this match, they then started to get into more of the spots and the stories going throughout this best of seven. The ring bell hammer being the most important part of this. It was used for a near fall on mm-hmm. this one. They paid off on it like winning like every match so far. And they used the, the ring bell hammer. Phoenix used it on Omega. And Omega kicked out just a straight up near fall for it. And I was like, well, damn. All right. That was a really good near fall. Um, they had a great spot where Matt Jackson just saved the match straight up. Like they had a lot. They had a submission with Tinsel on. And I was like fine whatever uh but then they had the the ankle hey man, i bet that would hurt like hell oh i'm sure it would if you have yeah. the brutalizer with tinsel that's like really rough and jaggy <laughs> yeah. going across your mouth i believe you find it's the unforgiving needles yes the tins- unforgiving needles yes. of the christmas tinsel yes uh and then they had, uh, I believe it was an ankle lock on on nick jackson or some sort of knee bar or something because mm. nick jackson had hurt his ankle which to me is the most important important spot of this match. Not the most spectacular or anything, but the most important spot was Nick Jackson went for a super kick and missed and instead kicked a chair that was set up in the corner of the ring. Then sold his ankle for the rest of the match. Like, could barely walk on it, could barely put any weight on it, was scrambling up ropes and stuff, and anytime he'd do a move off it, he'd then have to grab his ankle immediately afterwards mm-hmm. and injure it more. To me, the Elite managed to get the win in this match. Just, right? They just about managed to eke the win out. To me, this match was to continue the best of seven. Elite gets another win. Great. But the more important bit is the Elite are messed up now. Yeah. You had this ankle injury from Nick Jackson, which I think is still going to be an issue come the next match next week. Matt Jackson sold his back for like two years. Yeah. You're going to you're gonna see Nick Jackson sell this ankle. Everybody likes to say that the Young Bucks never sell. The Young Bucks don't have any psychology. They don't watch any of these matches. Because... The Young Bucks sell legs better than almost anyone that I've seen. Mm -hmm. The amount of times I've seen them do the spot where they go for like the Meltzer driver and they can't put their weight on the top rope so they mess up the move. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Every time they do it, it's phenomenal. And it played into the finish of this match. I thought they were going to do that, but Nick Jackson still pulls it off. Yeah. But, like, at what cost? Yes. They managed to get the win. He managed to do the move. Especially when you consider the last match in this 
series is going to be a ladder match. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is that going to mean for Nick Jackson being able to climb that that ladder? Absolutely, yeah. And then after the bell, Death Triangle then attack them and bust them open. And Phoenix, who's been kind of wiped out from this, eventually kind of gets in. He's like, guys, stop. So we're still furthering the Death Triangle dissension story, as well as the elite now being seriously on the back foot. They managed to keep this going. It's now 3-2. But how much do they have left? If they can get the win in the next week's match, great. But man, they're going to be hurting going into that ladder match if that's the case. And that's just painting them as the massive underdogs. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm really looking forward to seeing where we are at the end of all of this. Because I would not be surprised. I'm trying to think of like the different possibilities for matches like going into Revolution and such. I would not be surprised if the feuds for the trios division and everything are House of Black versus the Elite, non-title, and Blackpool Combat Club versus Death Triangle for the titles. That sounds fun. I don't know if you could do that on pay-per-view because I'm kind of expecting Moxley versus Hangman to be a pay-per-view match. Yeah. But I don't know. There's different ways that you can book all these things. There's a lot of trios in this division now where I was like, that would make for a really fun match. Mm -hmm. And it makes me happy and interested enough to think that Death Triangle and the Elite match seven could go either way. Yeah. I'm into this. And this wasn't designed to be the best match of the seven or anything like that. It wasn't designed to be the blowaway performance. This was to further the next step in the story. Yeah. They had a very good match, very fun match, and told the important story beats leading into the next chapter. Thumbs up from me. Can I be negative for one one moment? No. No, okay. <laughs> I and it's honestly, I, I never had a as much of a problem with this aspect of the group. Mm. Until Sat brought it up. Oh dear. And ever since then, I've been paying attention every single time. But I really do think it's about time that they just kill Alex Epcontis. Yeah. When they did their entrance this week, I was like, he doesn't fit, does he? No. No. It is three of the coolest people in AEW mm. and a friggin' dweeb. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like... I'm really happy for him that he gets to like have his moment to be a TV wrestling personality and mm. everything, but I think it's about time that we say goodbye to Alex Eberhardt. I really don't mind him being a translator in backstage promo segments. That's fine. If you want to have him be there to translate stuff, that's cool. He doesn't need to be there for the entrance. Yeah. He doesn't need to be there for their matches. Yeah. You can just not do I that. don't think he really adds anything, and I think he detracts more than that. Which is unfortunate. Otherwise, Anywho, all positivity, because this match ruled. It was well good. I'm well into this series. I know some people aren't, which, I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinions, but I don't really get it. It's good matches every week. I mean, each match is different. So. Yeah. Uh, Action Andretti backstage uh, cut a pretty good promo, I thought. Him saying that, like, hey, I'm great, and I beat Jericho. Therefore, I'm awesome. Uh, and saying that he's like on top of the world and all the support that everyone's got from him has been a lot and all that stuff. Just proper like babyface promo stuff. It was good. A nice follow up from his uh, from his win last week. Uh, JES come in specifically, Matt Menard and uh, Cool Hand Ange uh, coming in. They say that, hey, he's on fire. He turns around. Fireball. A solid fireball, too. This Pretty good. Looked like, this looked like it would have hurt yeah. if you take this to the face. It mm. wasn't just like the flash of paper and you take a bump and everything. Yeah. This was. 
Oh, his face is on fire. <laughs> yeah. It was a pretty good fireball because he's a wizard. I'm going to be uh, really interested to see what the character of, of uh, Action Andretti evolves to be. Mm. Because right now I feel like he is indie guy on television, mm -hmm. which is not necessarily a bad thing. Because I was looking at this and I was like, the promo feels a little like prepared, mm -hmm. like, Absolutely. you know, practiced in front of a mirror. This is what you're going to say and everything, yep. which again is not a bad thing. And something about like the whole presentation. If if this was a different guy and the circumstances were a little bit different, I would think that you wouldn't want to yourself be portraying this as an upset. Like, I know you just beat Chris Jericho. Jericho's like one of the big, you know, big stars of pro wrestling. You can call him the greatest of all time. You know, one of these type of things. But I think uh, a line would have been nice in here to like say, everybody was calling this the greatest upset, but like I knew I could do it because like I, I know how good I am and you're all yeah. about to see it. That type mm. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we get to somewhere like there, I think it'll be interesting, and I'm still willing to go along with this, mm. but I feel like right now his character is indie guy on TV. And there's yeah. things you can do with that. There's a lot of things, because that's different from anybody else that's on TV. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens when he comes back from you know this fireball to the face. But I'm, I'm interested. I'm mm. interested in the character progression of Action Andretti. Indeed, yes. Uh, we had some backstage footage of MJF calling Brian Danielson a gutless coward. And he said that he won clean. And just, I was just good. laughing the entire time. Yeah, it was it's good. the best heel. It's a good MJF promo. What do you expect? Uh, and in response to that, Brian Danielson then came out for an in-ring promo with Rene Paquette. The Talking uh, Smack duo. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Nice. Um, she then asked Danielson and said, where does this leave Blackpool Combat Club with the whole William Regal stuff? And Danielson cut a fairly heartfelt promo just being like, Look, I know that Marx and Claudio and Yuta probably won't forgive Regal for his actions, and that's cool. But I have a different relationship to him than everybody else does in Combat Club. Uh, and, you know, he made me the wrestler that I am. He made me the man that I am. He's so important to me, not just in wrestling, but in life. Like, he's so important to me as a person that I have to stay by his side. And because of that, MGF, there are consequences to your actions. When will you learn that your actions have consequences? <laughs> is basically what Danielson said to him. Uh, and kind of got fired up with, you know, shouting down the lens of the camera and stuff like that. Uh, it was a really good promo, I thought. When he got fired mm -hmm. up towards the end, I, I was really enjoying it. God, this um, was a very pro NXT promo mm. because he really put over uh, being trained by Shawn Michaels at the start because they were in San Antonio. You got an yeah. HBK chant yeah. and an AEW Dynamite taping, which I was like, oh, I didn't expect that one yeah. when uh, when Dynamite kicked off, but, but uh, obviously circumstances and whatnot. And then there's really putting over William Regal, who's WWE bound. And I was like, the optics of this are very funny. But it was a very good promo. I really enjoyed all of this. It tied together the relationship of Blackpool Combat Club. It tied together why Danielson would be okay with that and, you know, still be on the side of Blackpool Combat Club all the while. And building to what I imagine will be the main event of Revolution is Danielson versus MJF, which mm -hmm. would be excellent. Very much looking forward to that. Unless they want to do it sooner. Yeah, but I think, like, they might do something like that, how they did Punk MJF on TV and then did the rematch at mm -hmm. Revolution last year. Yeah. There has been some chatter that Brian Danielson hasn't had, like, the iconic AEW pay-per-view singles match to this point. Mm. I think this would be a good chance to change that. I agree. Yeah. I don't know if they just want to do a repeat of what they did with Hangman last year in Danielson. Mm. Just do the same kind of thing. It was about this time last year when they did yeah. the Danielson Hangman stuff. 
So I didn't know if they wanted to just fill out a couple of imported dynamites with this. Yeah. Um, but maybe we'll see if they stretch out to revolution or not. Um, uh, so naturally, the progression of this is Brian Danielson gets interrupted by Ethan Page. Yep. Shouty man. Shouty man is here. I, I look. I like Ethan Page. I think he's very good. Uh, I don't think the firm or anything to do with it is any good at all. And I think it detracts from everybody involved. Yeah. Makes everybody involved with the firm look worse. I was walking to work today and just thinking, man, I'm sad that Lee Moriarty's in that group. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm happy for him because he is on TV in more of a role than he had previously. Mm. But I'm sad that this is what the role is. Yeah. I'm sad that he is in a group that people don't care about. Mm. You know? Yeah. It just, yeah, like, it, it is kind of a shame like that. I don't I don't like the firm. I don't think anybody really likes the firm. If you do, shout out to y'all, but yeah, it to me just like I feel like Ethan Page could be doing something else that would have me behind him, have me interested in what he's doing. But the fact that he's in the firm drags him down. That he's got a lot of dead weight. Mm -hmm. And even if a lot of the parts are improving and you know, Stokely Hathaway cuts really good promos, and I like him a lot. I just the firm just feels like it needs to go away. They are worse together. Yes. Than they are separate. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. Not the way it should be. Um, but Ethan Page interrupts. They have a back and forth. He's saying that he was in the finals of the Eliminator Tournament. He was in the finals of the Battle Royal. And Brian Anderson wasn't, so he doesn't get to jump the queue. He but. he said he says something funny where it's just like I, I was in the finals of the the the, the eliminator tournament. And you weren't. Brian Anderson won the eliminator tournament the previous year. I know <laughs> yeah. that's not what he was saying, but yeah. I heard that and I was like, nah, idiot. Yeah. Um. So then it went back and forth for a little bit. Then he said that he's vegetable man. Which he's not a vegan anymore. Yeah. I don't think Brian Danielson's been a vegan for like a while. Mm. And then uh, Brian Anderson said that Stokely Hathaway was bald. It was really funny. I thought this was really funny. I know, like, I, I, I understand that this hits a, a difficult, diff, a, a sore spot for, for a lot of the people in the office. <laughs> but this is, this I don't is a know, good line. It feels, it, it's not that it wasn't funny necessarily. It feels cheap, maybe. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. You're offended on behalf of bald people I'm not, I'm not offended by, <laughs> on behalf of bald people. It's not that at all. I don't know. It's just like, your head is shiny. It's like, uh-huh. I laughed. And? I laughed. I was I distracted by the glare coming off of your head. Yeah. They laughed. Yeah. I don't know. Listen, when Chris Statlander ran down to the ring and slapped Stokely <laughs> Hathaway on He's his bald head. Very funny. I I laughed. Yeah. Maybe that's to do more with the... Whatever. Doesn't matter. And he called him Vegetable Man, and then he said he's going to turn him into a vegetable... And in the was middle of all of this, Stokely Hathaway just like, you raggedy bitch. You raggedy bitch, which was the best line of the whole promo. Oh. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of this back and forth. I didn't think it was very good, personally, but whatever. Uh, even Page teased that he was going to fight now, but obviously he wasn't. He wasn't in wrestling gear. So he said, we're going to do it next week because he's a heel. It's interesting uh, to me because a lot of the time, especially on this show of late, because... 
finally after full gear and I guess winter is coming, it feels like we are starting to hit the reset button and like shuffle the the pieces around into mm. new storylines, new rivalries and whatnot. And it's funny to me that you see the reaction that some people get when they interrupt someone's promo or segment or whatnot, mm -hmm. if they are not directly involved with that going into it. Yes. Like last week or a few weeks ago, whenever it was, when we saw Hook come to the, the aid of Jungle Boy, where mm. people just didn't expect that. Yeah. And it's like this big surprise pop. And everyone, pardon me, everyone's very excited to see Hook in this segment. Mm. And then in the in the first segment here, you had Chris Jericho coming out against Ricky Starks, and everyone was kind of like, "Whoa, cool, new!" And then you get Brian Danielson interrupted by Ethan Page, and it just feels like the segment then took a downturn. Yes, which is unfortunate. And I think Brian Danielson versus Ethan Page sounds like a really fun match. Yeah, if you I'm had sure told me that, like, if you told me two years ago before Ethan Page had debuted in AEW that we would be getting Ethan Page versus Brian Danielson, I probably would have been a lot more hyped than mm. I would have been at this very moment hearing that. And I think that speaks to a lot of things, like how they've done with Ethan Page, how the firm has been received, and everything like that. But it's just not there right now. Mm. I'm not into it. I don't care. I feel like there were a lot of matches I would rather see, you know, besides this one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to be too harsh on it. I think Brian Danielson's great. He's I think wonderful. this match probably still wrestlers. will be great. Yeah, I agree. Nah. 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 Samoa Joe did a promo. I love Samoa Joe. Saying that uh, Merry Christmas to Wardlow. But the Christmas cheer stops when it gets to the match with him. There's nothing to this promo whatsoever, but I loved it. Yep. Seeing Samoa Joe with two belts. Mm. It's good. Warms the cuckolds of my heart. The cuckolds? Yeah. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Not the cuckolds. The cuckolds. What are you saying? <laughs> I can't handle what these British people saying words. It's the difference between an O and a U. Cockles or cuckolds? I didn't say cuckolds. <laughs> Christ, move on. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Um, uh, John Moxley did a promo. Mm -hmm. uh, I quite like this promo. I can't wait for the Blackpool Combat Club to turn heel. Mm, yeah, wouldn't that be cool? I think they will make such awesome, badass, kick the S-word out of you heels. Yeah. Yeah. And just, he's being like a little bit like, you know, he's being John Moxley in response to... Ah, I'm looking at the chat. Don't get distracted. He was being real harsh towards Hangman Page, who I thought cut a fantastic promo a week ago when he said that, like, mm. you know, like, just leaving it to hang there when they asked him what his son's name was and he couldn't remember. Yeah. Like, that is some emotional S word. Mm. And for John Moxley to be like, oh, poor baby. What did you think was going to happen when you stepped in the ring with me? I was just like, you are such a heel in the mm -hmm. making, and I can't mm -hmm. wait to see that full turn. And, like, he still has a point in what he's saying, in that, like, hey, man, I'm not the bad guy here. I hit him really hard. It's not my fault that he got injured. All right? I'm not yeah. the bad guy here. He's right, but he's being a dick about it. Yes. And that's why he's got this more heelish tendency to it. I really like the fact that he's going to be the heel of the match between him and Hangman, as he should be, I think. I'm real good. And then... What was really nice about this is that you transitioned to talking about his opponent tonight, Darius Martin, and how those two are very similar. Because 
Darius Martin also gets injured. Mm-hmm. Oh, injury prone as well, huh? Well, all right. He was in a car wreck. Yeah. Dick. Yeah, what a dick. Oh, it, I think it is worth noting that they are booking him against baby faces. Mm, you interesting. know, between this and the, the Takeshita match mm. from a week or so ago on yeah. Rampage. I don't think there's not nothing here. Stop looking at the screen. Look over here. Don't look I at saw it. someone calling me a menace. You are a menace. I know it's not cuckles, gang. That's what I thought he said. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I was questioning it. Oh, Christ. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I really like this promo. I thought it was a really nice way to spin two plates at once yes. to put over the match later and the hangman stuff really solid stuff. the best promos in the company are ones that i think like the best promo doers the best talkers are the ones that can do that that mm. can get across multiple points in one short mm. amount of time absolutely i've got like one of my favorite aew promos ever it was the promo backstage that Eddie kingston did setting up his match with john moxley the i quit match at full gear that year and the first half of the promo is just like, yeah, John, all right, let me get to you in a second. And then put over every match that everyone in his little crew was having that day, mm. like the Butcher the Blade and uh, the Lucha Brothers and everything like that. Whatever they were doing, it's just like, we're going to get over so many things in this like minute and a half deal and then back to Moxley and do all of that. It's still one of my favorite promos that they've ever done. Mm-hmm. That promo alone sold my friend on watching Full Gear that year and he'd never watched AEW before. Oh, wow. That's quite good. Shout out to Eddie Kingston. Shout out to John Moxley. Shout out to good promos. Shout out to good promos. Uh, we might as well talk about the match while we're here now with John Moxley versus Darius Martin. Uh, Moxley was joined by Claudio mm-hmm. uh, for this match. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and Claudio, in when you're saying that the Comet Club might be turning heel and stuff, I did notice Claudio on the outside. There was no heel shenanigans that he was doing. Just his presence, his demeanor, the way he stood, the way he looked at things. I was like, hmm. It's a bit mm-hmm. more heelish. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, Martin took a spill to the outside in front of Claudio, and he didn't, like, back up or anything. He just kind of stood there over him looking at him, and Dante Martin came up and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa back off. And he was like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Just, I'm just here. Don't you worry. Mm-hmm. Just his demeanor feels more heelish. And maybe I'm reading too much into that, but it's just a good thing to note. It was intimidating. It was intimidating. Yes, I agree. And intimidation is not something that uh, – not a tactic – that I would think most baby faces would try and use in mm. that same way. Mm. I don't think there's nothing to that. Mm. Yeah. And I'm curious as to whether the whole like regal turn thing is going to be the catalyst for combat club turning. Like this is the thing that's essentially broken Moxley and he's going to be like telling us, but like, oh, I don't care anymore. Like where can't I'm, trust nobody. Can't trust anybody. I'm just going to go beat up everyone. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Uh, I wonder if they're going to play off that and if that's going to be kind of like the storyline reason for them going kind of nuts. Is this man ever going to take his vacation? <laughs> no! No vacations! Uh, go on vacation if you want it, Mox. Workhorse Mox. Please go on vacation. Uh, so yeah, Mox was joined by Claudia for this match. It was a fine enough match. Moxie won pretty decisively, as he should. It was fine. Yep. It was good. Uh, that was a very good, fun match. Yeah. I think it again. We talk about totem pole matches. John Moxley's up here. Darius Martin is here. I think the top flight is trending upwards, but they're not close yet. Mm, yeah, just good stuff. I like seeing the interactions that Dante Martin has with everything. Mm. Where he's not like you can't get mad that your brother did get manhandled and just like beat down pretty badly by the end, but like 
not going to be happy about it either. Mm. The whole thing, the whole dynamic of everybody in this match is like, these are a bunch of pros. Mm. There's a bunch of pros playing their roles very well. Yeah. Speaking of pros, there's a big pro with this next promo segment. Powerhouse Hobbs. Look at Hobbs. I'm into it, man. I love these promos. I wonder where this is all going to go. Me too. But man, I love these things. Same as like the Hangman promo from last week. Little glimpses into very, very personal things. Mm -hmm. I'm like, boo, thumbs up. All the thumbs up from me. They just make you feel like these are people. Yeah. And not characters. Yes. Love it so much. That, that to me, is, I think, one of AEW's biggest strengths. Mm. Is a lot of the time, the people on these shows don't feel like gimmicks where... And th I think this is changing in WWE as well. Mm -hmm. But for the longest time, it was like the characters that you see on WWE programming did not exist before they showed up on TV. Mm. Like, they're not humans with yeah. lives and everything like that. Mm. Whereas in AEW, they're not... Like, with the exception of some... Most of them aren't gimmicks. They're not characters. They are, this is Powerhouse Hobbs, the human mm. who has had a life and is now a wrestler in AEW trying to achieve his goals. Yeah. I find that style of pro wrestling so much more interesting. I agree. Yeah. 100%. And I think you can have more like gimmicky stuff while keeping them a person. For example, House of Black. Mm -hmm. very gimmicky very over the top big elaborate entrances face paint like all these costumes and everything but they're still people mm -hmm. if someone said malachi black trained in this martial art i'm gonna be like okay yeah not like that's weird that this gimmicked person does martial arts like no that, that makes total sense he's a he's a person he's a very extravagant over the top person but he's a person mm -hmm. and it, it all just it fits it works yeah. you know much prefer that i agree um, <clears throat> speaking of stuff that works, Tempest love this match. It's the Guns versus FTR. My first note for this match was, I swear to God, if the Guns win. Hey gang, guess what happened? The Guns won. Well, if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> Let's go Gun Club 2023. Woo, we're putting all the belts on the Guns. <laughs> Tony Khan's not stopping, so why am I going to fight it anymore? Let's go, Austin Gunn. Let's go, Colton Gunn. We're beating all the teams in 2023. They're beating the Acclaimed. It's the Acclaimed in the Gun Club at Revolution. They're going to win the belts. They're going to win the belts, and they're going to hold them for a whole year. I don't care anymore. Oh, dear. Gun um, Club. Ass boys. That's my review. So the guns won. Look, the story was good. The FTR were hurting after their final battle match, which makes sense. They should be hurting after their final battle match. The guns took advantage of that. They beat him up some more, to the point where Dax was going to hit a power driver, and he couldn't, because he was too hurt. His ass hurt too much. Uh, and then they got a roll-up, and they cheated. They did a roll-up, and he did an arm, and he pulled his arm for extra leverage. They cheated. They won. The thing that I don't like, aside from everything, is the thing that doesn't work with me for the guns in particular is I think that everything they do is good. Technically sound. All the things that they do in terms of all of the wrestling moves that they are doing are good. They are functional. They are functional. 
Yes, good word. They are functional. But I cannot tell you a single move that they did in this match. I think they did maybe headlock takedowns at a push. They did, I'm going to put your head off the turnbuckle. They did like a drop kick, I think. There's nothing to them aside from the comedy goofiness. And you know what? I think they are great as comedy, goofy, heels who are not to be taken seriously and who get beaten up a lot. I think they're very good in that role. I think they are great sports entertainers. They're great sports entertainers in a wrestling company. And for me, that's where they don't work. Gun Club 2023. <laughs> I'm not going to lose my mind. Tony Khan's set not. his waves. Nope. Not. You sure you haven't already done that? Nope. <laughs> okay. Listen. Listen. Gun Club 2023. They're winning all the belts. Mm -hmm. Better get behind it. Because it's going to happen. This is the pay-per-view match from Revolution. That wasn't even a bit. Like, that's yeah. the direction that they're going. There are no other tag teams in this division that aren't wrapped up in trios matches. That's what you're getting. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. <sighs> I don't know. Mean. Like, I, I do kind of want to commit to this bit. Mm. You should. I should. Yeah. But the actual criticism is, like, clawing its, it's way out of out yeah. of me yeah um yeah uh, uh austin gunn did a terrible sharpshooter in this match and that's heat yeah you want heat with me yeah that's heat and i knew it was coming too mm. they were dressed like bret hart sure were. you know the pink and black mm. and all that yeah i i tweeted today gun club beat ftr huh mm-hmm I got some people being like, it makes sense. They're hurt. You got to play into the storyline and stuff. On a actual non-bit level, I think that even whilst hurt, FTR so many tiers above the guns. Yeah. It's not even funny. Mm -hmm. And that's just whatever. I am genuinely just giving up on the, my my disdain for the for the ass boys because tony khan is just determined to push these guys yeah and like you said to me it's not as much a matter of like the moves they do and stuff but i will often talk about uh people being perfect wrestlers mm -hmm. walter for example oscar yes. yeah miro whenever we get to see him Perfect wrestlers being people that could not, there are no better versions of them mm. anywhere. No one could play the role that they play better than them. Yeah. I feel like there are so many people that could be the gun club better than the guns. Mm. That's fair. You know? Yeah. And not literally like sons of Billy Gunn doing a Billy Gunn tribute act and stuff. Mm -hmm. But just these like dickhead heels. I don't think there's anything to them. Yeah. And then being pushed above FTR, even for a match, one match is too much for me. Mm. Because I'm looking at FTR having the, the, the year of all years in tag team wrestling everywhere but AEW. Yeah. And I think it's mad. It's absolutely nonsensical. 
to me to see the gun club beating FTR in any circumstances. I don't get it. I don't really care if they're building to another match. Yeah. I just don't get I don't, it. I don't want them to have I don't match. want it. It's still like, again, you've got the firm thing where it's just like, I don't, the firm drags everybody down and it's just, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about any of it. It's I agree. real tough. It's real tough for me at this point. I think they are perfect WWE heel tag team. And again, like you were saying, if they were comedy geeks and everything, if they were getting beat by Danhausen, and like if Danhausen and Orange Cassidy wanted to have like a rampage feud or mm-hmm. something like that, yeah, perfect, yeah, beat the guns in that style and everything. But yep. they're just not top tier tag teams in this company that is filled to the brim with top tag teams. They don't hang to me. And yeah, they had a solid match here. Like, I didn't hate the match watching it. But I feel like that is because I was watching the best tag team in the world right now on the other side of the ring. Yeah. That being said, Ass Boys 2023. They're winning all the belts. Let's go! I know we've already gone over time. But I just very quickly want to say, it feels like in this company... Whatever your definition of the best wrestler is, whether that be work rate or promos or a whole package of what a good wrestler is, it always feels like whoever their champions are, the people that are being pushed, are the best wrestlers. Yes. You have guys like MJF, Mox, Hangman, Omega, Jericho. You have your Shida, Baker, Hater, Storm. You have Jade Cargill. You have the people that hold all these belts are the people that at one point or another are the best wrestlers. Whatever definition you have of best wrestler. The fact that the guns are getting pushed is weird and jarring because they're not the best wrestlers by basically any definition. Yeah. And you feel that. You feel that as a viewer where the person who holds the belt or the person that's being pushed is someone who is a good or great wrestler that when someone is pushed who isn't that, you feel it. And you feel as if you're like, this doesn't feel right. Why doesn't this feel right? Because they're not as good as the other teams there. And you can have shocking upset victories. Like, I don't know, Action Andretti beating Chris Jericho. Because on that occasion, he was the better wrestler. And you can believe that. You can believe from the match that they had that he was the better wrestler at the time. You can't believe that the guns are better than FTR. You can't. It's a feeling. It's an intangible feeling that you have when you watch this. It feels wrong. Feels wrong even with them being hurt, even them with them cheating. Yes. All these things. I was like, I don't care. They're not better than them. Like, it, it is what it is. I don't want to get too hung up on this too late, but like... There's nothing that the guns do that they're the best at in this company. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I completely agree with all the titles and everything. It feels to me very much like old school NWA Mm -hmm. where you do not get the title unless there is a legitimate claim that you are the best in that division Mm -hmm. in the world. Yeah. And I feel like AEW's done a very good job with their titles to that point, Mm -hmm. to this point. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people saying that the guns are going to be the acclaimed and then be the ones to drop the titles to FTR later. I will shrivel up and die <laughs> at the sight of these titles on the gun club. So in 2023. Ass Boys 2023, let's go. Ass Boys win the tag titles off the acclaimed. Mm-hmm. Braun Strowman dethrones Gunther for the IC title. I'm going back to being a New Japan you know, fan. You know that could happen in the space of like a month. If they do that at Revolution and they do it at WrestleMania, 
Both those things could happen, you know? I will go back to exclusively watching New Japan in that case. <laughs> They're rebounding at just the right time. <laughs> Let's talk about Rick Ross. Let's talk about Rick Ross. Okay. So, Rick Ross, I don't think I've spoken about Rick Ross since he's appeared on AEW programming. Oh. I love Rick Ross. He's amazing. He's not this rap guy or whatever. Accusation. Luke, Ollie. You know, the rap guy. Rick Ross. Anyway. Rick Ross is hilarious. Accusations, etc. He's brilliant. He's in the ring. Keith Lee. Keith Lee comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and Rick Ross. Oh, you're burying the lead. You're burying Tony Schiavone's intro oh, you, this. No, you, you go. Or he you brings go. out Rick Ross, and he's like... And first, I think we've got Keith. <laughs> Music hits. <laughs> what an intro. <laughs> this this segment needed a lot. There was a there was an uphill battle that it was oh, fighting. And Tony Schiavone started it off in the best possible way. Oh. I laughed so hard. I was expecting like some stage hand to be like, yeah, it's, it's Keith Lee. Yeah. That's who we're introducing first. And it's like, Keith Lee. Yeah. Nope. It was I think it's Keith? <laughs> Question mark? Who am I? It starts hitting on the thing. Uh, this was dumb. Uh, oh, fantastic. Rick Ross was there. I was sports entertained. Oh, man. And he calls out Swerve. He calls for Swerve to come to the ring. While he's waiting, because Swerve does not come out immediately, kind of turns to Keith Lee. <laughs> turns to Keith Lee. Just goes, <clears throat> you a big motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Is he wrong? <laughs> Absolutely correct. Line of the year. Um... <clears throat> Thank you, Rick Ross, for that. Um, okay. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to say all the things that I liked about this first. Because there's a lot of stuff I didn't like. Uh, Rick Ross. There you go. That's what I liked about this segment. Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10. Every so often, through whatever happened next in the segment, every so often you could just hear Rick Ross partially on mic, partially off mic, just go like, Young Legend! <laughs> That's yep. it. That's all he needs to do. Rick Ross is amazing in arguably the worst way but amazing nonetheless you you end up in a difficult position when you are involving a non-wrestling talent mm. in a wrestling segment yeah. like this where if done in short dosage it could be like really good and integrated really well but mm -hmm. if you're leading a segment with this non-wrestling personality they, yeah. their timing of live television and whatnot might be might not be all the way there but I don't care, because this was hilarious. So funny. Um, Swerve eventually comes out. And this is where I stopped liking stuff. Swerve comes out, and he's trying to cut a promo on Keith Lee, but keeps getting interrupted by Rick Ross, mm -hmm. regardless. But he keeps trying to do the promo on Keith Lee, and he says he's going to do things Swerve's way now. He's going to do things on Swerve's time. And Keith Lee, you, should, you need to have eyes in the back of your head. And Keith Lee's like, okay. And waits for about 30 if seconds. If that ain't wrestling telegraph. Yeah. Like, 
yeah, there's someone in the ring behind you. I was expecting Rick Ross to like. So did I, because Rick Ross was right behind him, and he had like fingers in the back of his head, like right here. Mm -hmm. You need eyes right here. But no, it wasn't Rick Ross, which I think would have been significantly better than what we got. Because in comes Parker Boudreaux. Mm -hmm. Oh dear. Um, I guess the trust busters are done. Yeah, probably. Oh darn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to miss him. Uh, hmm. He then beats up Keith Lee. Keith Lee comes sort back of. a little sort of. Keith Lee comes back a little bit and knocks him out of the ring. Looks like Keith Lee's going to be in control. And then another lad shows up and they beat up Keith Lee. And I do mean another lad because I don't know his name. Darn, I thought you had it written down because I'd forgotten it during the day. I'll grab it real quick. Did they say it? Uh, Sean Ross Sapp is he's a former baseball player. So shout out to they, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful. They did not say it on the show. They didn't, sh they didn't say it on the show. It was a man named uh, Grandin Goatsman. Grand, uh, Grandin Goatsman, former baseball player. Sounds like an NXT name. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, that's at least a real name. That's... It's not Alba Fire. It's not Alba Fire. That's correct. Elbow Fire. Uh, man has tattoos everywhere, including like all over his face and stuff, which I guess is good look. You know, that's cool. Um, if you're going to have tattoos all over your face, like a wrestler is one of the careers that you could probably expect to have. Absolutely, yeah. Um, they then beat up Keith Lee. And I think the spot they then did next was a, a, in a vacuum, objectively, a very cool spot. Yeah. Where they got the steps, they laid out Keith Lee on the steps, and they held a cinder block to his chest, and Swerve went up to the top rope, leapt out onto the steps on Keith Lee, and smashed the cinder block over his chest. That's cool. I like that a lot. Objectively speaking, a very cool spot. I hated this allegiance with Swerve. I don't want to see Parker, Boudreau, Parker Boudreau and other lad with Swerve. This, to me, did not feel like, here's a debut of a really cool new tag team, and they're aligned with Swerve. Wow, what a threatening trio. Mm -hmm. this, was, this was, to me, Swerve has a couple of heel goons who will get beaten up and will lose matches for him. And that is it. Do not care about them beyond this. This is heel goons and nothing else. That might be fine might be so here's here's how i'm looking at all this Go for it. i'm looking at this like oh boy parker boudreaux has not shown me any sort of anything no. since being part of aew me neither to the point that i almost want to retract my statements from like last year whenever it was when wwe released him and be like mm, maybe there's just nothing there yeah you know maybe, maybe maybe they're not wrong to cut bait with this one as, as not yeah harland it's like okay the WWE Performance Center, I don't think, is the best place to get trained, and that's just me personally. Mm -hmm. But going to AEW and continue your training with the very good trainers that they have on staff there, and I was seeing him run across the ring on Dark and everything, and then I saw him in the Trios tournament earlier this year, and I was like, mm, not seeing a lot mm. out of this guy. Yeah. Okay. He's a big guy. He could be a, an intimidating presence, I suppose. And then... Other guy, Grandin Goatsman, shows up, and I'm like, okay, you're a brand new guy. You're not going to get a pop when you yeah. attack somebody. It's like the Satnam Singh thing mm -hmm. where I was like, I don't know who this is. Or when Cole Carter showed up dressed mm -hmm. as Sting, it's like, I'm not going to pop for this. So the moment itself falls flat, which is disappointing because it makes the segment come across worse. 
but as just two guys to be like bodyguards for Swerve, I don't immediately hate it. I didn't think the segment was good, but I think that there is real potential for this stable to be real stinky. Mm, yeah. I'm willing to let Swerve do his thing mm -hmm. because I have not been shy about the fact that Swerve Strickland is my favorite wrestler going today. I think this man is world championship potential, like written all over him. If I was starting a promotion, he would be my world champion. I love this man to death. I think he's got all the charisma in the world. We'll see what the presentation of this. Uh, Rick Ross is part of this as mogul affiliates. I'm a little bit more on on the level with it, but I don't know that that's going to happen. Mm. And I don't know how much these two dudes are going to add to the presentation of Swerve Strickland, which to me is the most important part in all this because he is a star, has star written all over him, pardon me. And I don't know what we're going to get from this point forward. I'm willing to give it a try. I'm willing to chalk this up to a bad debut segment. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they can surprise me. But I am being very cautious with this. And I am also very nervous because this is someone that I very much want to succeed at the highest level possible. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't know about it. I love this, the Cineblock yeah. spot. I yeah. thought that was great. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. And when I'm putting together the Revolution card in my head, Keith Lee versus Swerve Strickland is one of those matches. And I was like, this mm -hmm. card looks so good. Because mm. you got Mox versus Hangman, Danielson versus MJF, Keith Lee versus Swerve. And you just go down the line there of all the different ones that we can do here. Ass Boys versus The Acclaimed. Yeah. And like, you know, House <laughs> of Black. 2023. Ass Boy. God damn it. House of Black. <laughs> House of Ass Boys. <laughs> the House of Black are going up against, if I'm having my way, one of Death Triangle or the Elite. That'll mm -hmm. be great. Yep. There's a lot prospectively lined up for this Revolution card that I'm looking forward to. And this match is one of the ones I'm looking forward to the most. I just hope that I don't care about it less by the time we get there. I think they absolutely should be doing Keith Lee versus Swerve Strickland at Revolution. I don't think this is the way to get it there. I think they already had the story and this is just going to make it weird and detract from it. I think this is the same issue that the firm has is that it's a bunch of people that don't fit together. This to me is a couple of lads that do not fit with Swerve. They all. look like they could be bodyguards for a rapper. Just covered in tattoos, Maybe. giant, like, Maybe. just have them stand there look intimidating. You know, I'm... <laughs> Parker Boudreau is a big lad. Mm -hmm. I'm not intimidated by him in the slightest. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I've seen him wrestle. Yeah. I'm just not... He doesn't look intimidating to me. You know? I've seen him run. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, ah, I'm less intimidated now. It's like when you're not coordinated. Yeah. I don't I don't feel so threatened that exactly. you think you're going to beat you my know? ass. And he, he's a collegiate wrestler. Like, he still could. Yeah. But I don't believe that he could, just, which is the opposite like of what I should feel. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things that we did miss, because I forgot to, uh, we, we skipped over them and then go back. Uh, Hook squashed Exodus Prime. I like Hook. He's my favorite Transformer. Yeah. Exodus, Exodus Prime. Prime is a great name. <laughs> it's a hell of a ring name. Uh, the Firm, they beat up Jungle Boy in the Tron and Hook walks off. 
He didn't look like he cared that much. Nah, he really didn't. Maybe but that, that is Hook. Maybe that's just Hook being aloof. Yeah. Mm. Um, and there was also a rap from Sanjay Dutt. There sure was. And Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett and Satnam Singh were also there. Now that I'm not reviewing Rampage anymore, you mm. can put things like that on Rampage and I won't be that offended anymore. Because mm -hmm. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what you've done with Rampage. If I hear there's a great match, I'll watch it. But you can put Jeff Jarrett on there and I'm just like, yeah, it's not on Dynamite. Mm -hmm. Whatever. I have a uh, uh, a message here from Luke. Yes. After he uh, asked me to cover for him today on the, excuse me, on the Dynamite review in the, uh, yeah, the it's podcast. Yeah, um Are you been drinking or something uh, yeah uh he messaged me all in capitals and said the sanjay dot rap was incredible and the highlight of the entire broad broadcast mm -hmm. i said i disagree yeah and then he said ha and then the rap dude called keith lee a big mother this show rules <laughs> <laughs> i also also got a all in caps Luke. I got a message from Luke on Twitter, of course, mm. where I had tweeted out just that the guns beat FTR, mm. and he responded, thankfully, the real tag stars did a rap video and saved the show. I wonder if he liked it. It wasn't very good, Luke. It wasn't very good, mate. Nah, it's fine. Uh, they had a promo. They're doing a, a trios battle royal on Rampage. And they had a little promo with uh, Dark Order and Best Friends doing little promos. It was cool. They asked Hangman not to get involved. He will. Moxley's mm -hmm. in the match. So, looking forward to that. Cool. Here, here's my thing with this. Because we're massively over We're so over time. It's, it's Christmas. Who cares? Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas. You, you, get, you get extra content this week. I don't like it when wrestling companies are like, here's this match you win some cash. Yeah. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like, it feels like it's a fake thing to be fighting over. Even though very real. Yeah. If someone that, was that's like, fine. If someone said, for example, on like a YouTube series where you have to name every certain champion in a reverse chronological order was fighting for some sort of money prize. It's real. That's a shoot. That's a shoot, brother. We're fighting for money. Adam Blompier won a hundred pounds. Yeah. Wild. In coins. In coins. I would much rather this match be like for the number one contendership spot post best of seven series. Yeah. Just which Has I think stakes. I think effectively it will be. Mm. I think that whoever wins this battle royal will probably be set up as the number one contenders. But I would rather it be presented Maybe. that yes. way. Yeah. You yeah, know? Because yeah. it's just like they're fighting over three hundred thousand dollars. I was like, mm. okay. Why do I but, care? Uh, but, but are they, though? Are they? Yeah. Are they really? Yeah. They're all going to win an extra hundred grand for Christmas. Mm. Good for them. Can I have some? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I get you. Yeah. It's fine. I th I, like, I saw the lineup, and I was like, woo! That's yeah. a fun little yeah. trio's battle royal. There's some top names in there. I'm interested. Mm. I want to see it. Maybe have some interaction between people that we haven't seen before. Orange Cassidy and John Moxley. That sounds fun. Yeah. There's a lot here that I think will be very interesting. It's just a presentation of things I think could be tightened up a bit. Sure. Uh, and then we have the main event, which we've already spoken about. I thought this was very close to being a five out of five show. I thought I had a really good time with it. Guns FTR and the Swerve stuff for me just broke down to like a high four. Like yeah. a just under a five out of five show for me. 
But like the start and end, which are the two most important parts of the show, were both great. And I love that. The best parts of this show were easy five out of five segments. Easy five Like the main event was fantastic. The opening segment was very, very, very good. Yeah. There was plenty in the middle to keep you interested. Mm. There were just a couple of things that it's like, meh. Either could have been done better or could have done without or whatnot. But when I look back at this episode of Rampage, I – this episode of Dynamite – Never watch Rampage. <laughs> when I watch this episode of Dynamite, I will think about Ricky Stark's promo segment mm-hmm. and the main event first and foremost. Absolutely. So if it is how you leave them, they left me very, very high. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Did they now? Uh, Going back well, to Canada soon. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, let's, before we get into the rest of your Omega chats, He's buffering. we potentially have some shout, we do have some Patreon shout outs to do, I was waiting for the thing to load. Uh, if you haven't been to our Patreon page yet, you should, patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk. Uh, loads of extra bonus content, you get a new show every Wednesday, uh, we had WrestleTalk After Dark go up yesterday, which was a fun episode that was recorded just before the Christmas special. Uh, we were drinking at like 10 a.m. You sure were. It's much like today. Uh, not from 10 a.m. though. Uh, who was on the lineup, Tempest? It was myself, Laurie Blake, Sullivan Bo Brown, and Editor Terry. Mm, hell of a lineup, that. Uh, let's go check out Wrestle After Dark on Patreon right now. And also, if you pledge at the $25 or above tier, you get your own custom wrestling nickname, and it gets read out on a show much like this one. So thank you to Tony Jabroni. Yeah. Vincent Shaloki Garcia. Yeah. Vito Ventura, pet detective. Yeah. Willie Big E Singleton. Yeah. Zoe Song 101. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. I'm going to keep doing it, Pete. Uh, you do that. The Aztec warrior Hector Rodriguez. Yeah. Where there's a will, there's a Will Campbell. Yeah. Fantastic, Mr. Good Old Fox. Yeah. Nathan, the street racing prophet Ford. Yeah. The Three Count, Trey Gully. Yeah. El Jefe, Elijah Famine. Yeah. Half Show Hero, Kyle. Yeah. Andy Datsun's Fetish, Timothy King. All right. Yeah. And JS Woo 10. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Thank you so much, all of our Pledge Hammers on our Patreon page. Really do appreciate it. Pledge check Hammer. Out Pledge Hammer. Uh, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk. Now, let's get into the rest <coughs> of your Omega Chats for the day. Sorry we went long. Sorry to all the moderators that are still here. Sorry. Um, let's let's get through these. Jam Beard has been a member for 13 months in a row. I love this main event match with the women. I hope Soraya's partner is Storm, and it sets up the rematch with Storm and Hater at the pay-per-view. I think people will be disappointed. I agree. I yes. Like, as just a match, I don't hate the match. Me neither. But you know who they're going to be expecting. Absolutely. Uh, Cassidy Delaney said, Hi, yo, lads. Uh, that main event was incredible. Excuse me. It was Sheeta's best match since the first deep fight, and it very well might be Jamie's best match in AEW, period. It was so damn good. I really hope they run it back for Revolution, or at least double or nothing. This was definitely a match I would pay to see again. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Uh, 100%. Uh, BM Whitehouse 76 said, uh, By any chance do you know why Brian Danielson is called the American Dragon? Or was he a big fan of mid-2000s Disney show of the same name? Also, remember when an Impact Wrestling title belt appearing on a WWE Big Four pay-per-view was a story of the year this year? <laughs> and then the rest of the year happened. Happened. It happened, did it? I mean, Brian Danielson has been called the American Dragon since, like, the start of his career. Oh, yeah. Like, way, way, way back. He used yeah. to wear a mask. Yeah. Which... I, I have read Brian Danielson's book. It was a long time ago, so it's not as clear in my mind. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if this was his way of being like, Brian Danielson's not the most extravagant name. Mm. People like the dragon naming convention mm -hmm. in wrestling. So yeah. let's throw on a mask and be the American dragon. Mm -hmm. A little bit more flair to it. Jake Long. Jake the, Long. The Shout out dragon. to Dante Bosco. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Robinson said, uh, great trios match. I'm going to be at the show on January 11th when they have the last match, which is a ladder match. Uh, also we'll get Brit versus Soraya and who knows what else. I'm situated across from the hard camp and will represent wrestle talk. Love you guys. Thank you. That I, I would guarantee that match will be five stars. Crikey. It's a hell of a guarantee. Escalera de la Morita with those mm. two teams. Mm. I'm just Marcus, said Ricky Starks is an amazing promo. He continues to always hold my attention and make me laugh while taking him completely seriously all the time. I actually think he should beat Max at the end of 2023. LIW reunion. Nice. Uh, always nice to see you both. That's what I, I said agree. at the start. Yeah, like, absolutely. He's definitely throwing his name in the ring. I think he is a very good choice to become the next AEW world champion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Derek Ayala has been a member for five months in a row. Uh, I wanted to say this about the firm. Paige does not need them and sad that I cringe and mute when the firm comes on. For me, it's go away heat. That does kind of feel like what it is, isn't it? A mm, little bit. You know? A little bit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jan Beard said, here's a sports reference Tempest will like. Death Triangle is about to pull a Toronto Maple Leafs by going up 3-1, then losing in game seven. Big MGM said, hate the Young Bucks sending leg injuries, can't use their legs, but are still super kicking and jumping off the top rope. I said that it happened since then. I blocked that one out of my memory. You're Thanks. You're responding to a different thing. Thanks, Jam Beard. Yeah, the Young Bucks are great. That's not what the thing said, but that's fine. Young Bucks are great. What do you want him to do? He's literally hopping on one leg. Yeah. The whole time he was selling his leg when he's on the top rope. Yeah. They were like, is he going to be able to hit it? Yeah. And it was his last burst of energy. Yeah. And then as soon as they hit the move, they're like grabbing their ankle against, but like, oh God, that hurt doing that thing. Let's watch Evil and Sonata fun. versus the Young Bucks from uh, from Dominion 2018. Mm. You'll see the best leg selling of anybody ever. Christopher Jazzcat said, good matches this week. Guns versus FTR surprised me too. Too many promos for me. Uh, what are your picks for Wrestle Kingdom? I'm rooting for Jay White and Osprey. Uh, stay safe through the holidays, folks. We have a lot of great wrestling to see coming up next year. I, I mean, agree. I would like to see Kenny Omega win that title just so it means that we'll see him on New Japan show again. That would be cool. Yeah. That's about it. Uh, I, I, I think Osprey might win. That I wouldn't one? be surprised. I, I think, think it's Osprey an outside wins. chance yeah. pick, but yeah. 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 Uh, I'm just Marcus said, uh, dang it, guys. My brain had forgotten that the ass boys beat the best tag team in wrestling to protect itself. Now you've reminded me, Broken Tempest. Mm-hmm. Ass, ass Boys 2023. Jambeard again says, uh, I don't mind that the Gun Club beat FTR as much as Tempest does. Gun Club needed the win to show they are more than jobbers. FTR was seriously hurt. 
Uh, plus, this plays into the fact that FTR are now on a losing streak because they're wrestling so much. I've said my piece already. So have I, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's... Uh, Anthony Brewer said, you guys are big mother <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Vinny. I'm We're so sorry, Vinny. It's Christmas. Um, I actually like this segment besides Parker and the other guy. The cinder block was good to me. Hope you guys have a good. I hope you have a good as well. Everyone have a good. Well, yeah? Yeah. Everyone wish each other to have a good. Uh, Jambeard again says, Before I make up my mind about Parker and the face-tattooed goat being with Swerve, I'll say this. Pretty much everything Swerve has done since turning heel in NXT has been home runs. That includes Hit Row, his indie run, and all the AEW stuff. I trust him. I That's why I said I'm willing to let him do stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm willing to let him cook here. Yeah. I'm just nervous. Yeah. I don't want anything associated with Swerve to be bad, ever. That is fair. Um, uh, the miscellaneous Omega chats from John Rye said, "Happy holidays to the Wrestle Talk family. Looking forward to a great year of wrestling in 2023. Good to see you, Pete. Glad you could work it out with Ollie and stuck around. Glad you didn't leave on me. I'm not leaving Wrestle Talk." John Rye said, "I also want to say thank you to Wrestle Talk. You guys were a big part of my year. My mom was in the hospital during the summer, and I didn't know she was going to make it. You guys helped distract me and get through it. I'll always support Wrestle Talk. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, Brandon." says, Merry bloody Christmas, you two. The past nine months of working with you uh, with you lot has been a blast. So here's to another year. The news needs to calm down. Just wanted to wish you both the best over the holidays and to relax as much as you can. Love you, fellas. Thank you, Brandon. Likewise. You're wonderful. And we love you very much. We're so happy you're part of the team. Uh, Captain Eric says, uh, I can't thank you guys enough for making my mornings bearable. Having the daily news and the live podcast for my commute has been a blessing this past year. Special shout out to Tempest. Thank you for survival series. Would love to contribute one day. Anybody who wants to give me a wrestling, uh, wrestling gift, a Christmas gift, can just go and watch Survival Series Episode 2 over on Parts Unknown. Share it around with all your friends. Show it to your cat. It is the thing that I am most proud of this year. I really, really like how that's, that series has come out thus far. So give it a watch if you haven't already. If you have, watch it again. It's really good content, and there will be more coming soon. It's fun. I'm sorry, I can't read your name, but I'm just going to go with SLID. Mm -hmm. there's a lot of numbers uh, add one new member from the WWE to House of Black and have one new member from AEW to Judgment Day also who would be AEW's four horsewomen oh my god that's a lot of questions someone from WWE <coughs> added to the House of Black Bray Wyatt uh, Finn Balor that would be cool you know, yeah. Damien Priest like you can't just take one from the other and <laughs> just put do, it in there just do a swapsies yeah like Buddy Matthews in Judgment Day yeah. Yeah, they got a nausea con connection there. Aren't they also dating? Is that a thing they're doing? Uh, yeah, it sounds about right. I thought that they were. I don't keep up with that sort of thing. Anymore. I don't really either, but I yeah. think I've heard that at some point, maybe. Yeah. Joshua Sebbard's become a member. Thank you so much. Appreciate also, it. Also, AEW's four horsewomen would be like oh, yeah. Britt Baker, obviously. Uh, who's been there since the... Uh, Sheeta? Yeah, Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, uh, Riho, mm. I suppose. Nyla Rose, maybe? Nyla Rose is a good one. It's difficult. Doesn't quite work out the same way as like NXT and, and nah. everything. No. Nah, but nah. yeah. That's probably up there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's going to do it for the show. Sorry we went long by a lot. Whoops. Uh, thank you so much for watching, everyone. Really do appreciate it. Uh, we are going to be back. So this Saturday, it is going to be 
Luke and Dave. Luke and Dave Bradshaw doing the SmackDown review. There is no Raw next week. It's a clip show, so there's no Raw podcast next week. Instead, they want to say this is uh this is this is the longest running uninterrupted show of all shows. Lies. Yes. So there's a clip show next week, so there'll be no Raw review podcast because there won't be a Raw to review. Uh, but instead, we're going to be having the best of Wrestle Talk 2020, best of December 2020. One of them is going to be going up next Tuesday, regardless. Uh, next Thursday it is going to be myself and Ollie reviewing Dynamite next week. And then next Saturday, that being New Year's Eve, question mark? Mm-hmm. Maybe the 30th. I don't know. Dates. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is going to be Ollie and Sat reviewing SmackDown. So we've got a, a bit of a mixture of the, the hosts here for the podcast over the Christmas period. But we'll be back to normal the week after that when we get back to Jet-ish. When we get back to January, I think you're still going to be in Canadian land. Yeah. But aside from that, pretty much normal. Thanks for watching. If it's your first time here, one, why are you still here watching an hour and 36 minutes into this? Thank you regardless, though. Please do subscribe. Like the video, etc. Go and watch some of our other videos, too. Why not? Uh, we have all of our end-of-year content going up right now as well through all these days. The best wrestlers of the year, the best pay-per-views, the worst matches, worst pay-per-views, etc. All that's going up across this week and next week as well. So stay tuned for all of that. Thank you so much for watching. I've been Chubba Pete Cornell. I've been joined by Tempest. LIW for life. Let's go ass boys! Ass boys 2023! You a big mother... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.